Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 14. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Jonathan says we're going to go over an attack. And he says, do all that's in your heart to do. I got your back. And I'm sure that was a real comfort and encouragement to Jonathan. Because when you're trying to get something done, and maybe somebody knows what I'm talking about. When you're trying to get something done for the kingdom of God, the last thing you need is a spiritual Eeyore. (laughs) Behind you, bumming you out. You're like, well, we're going to go over there. We're going to take the kingdom. We're going to... Do something great for God, and you're this spiritual ER that comes behind you. Well, you know, I don't know. We, maybe we better do that. We might get cut up in pieces. We might be cut up in pieces. It's like, man, encourage me. Help me. You know, don't pull me down. Encourage me and cheer me on. Listen, I don't need you to pull me down. Satan does a good job of that all by himself. I'm, I'm working against that. Satan's always seeking to pull you down. And no, we're not talking about yes men. We're talking about godly men. Lots of times people want to be a Jonathan, but sometimes in order to be a Jonathan, you've got to first be an armor bearer. You can't be an armor bearer, and, and you can't be a Jonathan until you're an armor bearer. Joshua is known as the man who led Israel into the promised land, but he started out as Moses' servant. Sometimes you've got to start as an armor bearer to be ready to be a Jonathan. Notice in verse 8, Jonathan's plan. The armor bearer says, okay, Jonathan, do what's in your heart to do. Jonathan doesn't go through the paralysis of analysis. I'm going to let you think about that for a minute. He doesn't go through the paralysis of analysis. You know, some people say, well, let's think about it. Well, you know, well, I don't know. Well, let's pray. Well, you know, uh, well, you know, a month goes by. Well, you know, I don't, uh, 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 well, you know, uh, well. You can just analyze yourself right out of a blessing. He doesn't go through the paralysis of an, you can write that down if you don't get it and then go chew on it. The paralysis of analysis, Jonathan comes up with a plan and he says, move, let's move out. And the armor bearer is thinking, what's the plan? What's the plan? We're going to sneak up in the shadows, maintain radio silence, attack with a stealth strike. Jonathan says, no, we're going to let them see us. <laughs> what are you talking about, Willis? <laughs> we're going to let them see us. Now, listen, I haven't been to war college. We've been talking about war college. I haven't been to war college. For those of you who don't know, there is a war college. You get a master's degree in military strategy. I didn't know that until like two weeks ago. I find it fascinating. I haven't been to war college. Um, I haven't been trained in military strategy. I wasn't even a Boy Scout. Um, I don't know anything. But I wouldn't think, Jonathan, that this is the best plan of attack. 
they are outmanned, outnumbered, and out-equipped. You don't just come out and show yourself to your enemy. Jonathan's plan defies military strategy. Jonathan is going to seize a divine opportunity. Look at verse 9. Jonathan said, well, show, we'll show ourselves to them. And if they say, wait, in verse 9, we'll come to you. We will know the Lord has not given us victory. We better stand still. But in verse 10, if they say, come up here to us. Are y'all getting this? If they say, come up here to us, then we will know God is giving victory to us. This will be a sign. Now, you can see right here, this isn't presumption. This is wisdom. This is caution to know if God is moving or not. So often we don't trust God when we should, and we say God said when we shouldn't. Jonathan's military strategy is taking a little step toward knowing whether God is in this or not. Verse 12, the Philistines said, come up to us. And we'll show you something, a thing or two. And Jonathan said, Jonathan said, that's what I need to hear. The Lord has given us the victory. Look at verse 13. And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees with his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan. And as he came after him, his armor bearer killed them. That first slaughter, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men with about a half of acre of land. And there was trembling in the camp, in the field. Among all the people, the garrison and the raiders also trembled and the earthquake. So there was very, very great trembling. Now the watchmen of Saul and Gibeah and Benjamin looked and there was a multitude melting away and they went here and there. And then Saul said to the people who were with him, now call roll call and see who has gone from us. And when they had called roll call, surprisingly, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. And Saul said to Ahijah, bring the ark of God here. For at that time, the ark of God was with the children of Israel. Now it happened while Saul talked to the priest that the noise which was in the camp of the Philistines continued to increase. So Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. And then Saul and all the people who were with him assembled, and they went to the battle. And indeed, every man's sword was against his neighbor, and there was a great confusion. Moreover, the Hebrews who were with the Philistines before that time, who went up with them into the camp from the surrounding country, they also joined the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, all the men of Israel who had hidden in the mountains of Ephraim, when they heard that the Philistines fled. They also followed hard after them in the battle. And so in verse 23, underline it, the Lord saved Israel, not Jonathan, not Saul. Who saved Israel? The Lord saved Israel that day. And the battle shifted to Bethaven. I told you Bethaven means house of vanity. So the Philistines, said, come up to us and we'll show you. Jonathan, that was his cue. The Lord's given us victory. Jonathan climbs on his hands and knees. You know, I, I don't know why I read this. Every time I read this, I think of Braveheart. This is like a real Mel Gibson Braveheart kind of thing. You know, Jonathan's climbing on his hands and knees and the armor bearers behind him. Jonathan took his sword that was in his hand and he's walking through and he's like swiping. He's like wiping people out like this here. And then the armor bearer comes right behind him and he just, you know, Saul knocks him down and 
cut no arm. They lay and the armor bearer comes by. She and you know it's like it's like Braveheart, man. They probably got their story right out of here. It's not new under the sun. It's right here. Verse fourteen tells us the first slaughter was twenty men. Details. God is in the details. The first slaughter was twenty men and a half acre. Jonathan's walking and whacking them and stabbing them. The armor bearer is behind him, finishing them off. And as they're killing the men, there was a trembling in the camp and the field among the people, the garrison, the raiders, the earth is quaking. Verse 16, the watchmen of Saul and Gibeah looked over the wall and they see men dropping like flies and melting away. And Saul said, call roll call and see who's not here. And it was his son, Jonathan, and the armor bearer who wasn't there. Saul is worried. Listen, let me tell you something. Saul is worried about who's not here because Saul's concerned about who's going to get the credit for the victory. I told you that last week, didn't I? He's always concerned about who's getting the credit instead of going out there to fight the battle with the guys. Look at verse 18. Saul said, bring the ark of God. Why? Because Saul is trying to look spiritual. Can I encourage y'all, listen, there's a time to pray and there's a time to get mad and fight. Say amen. amen. Don't confuse the two. There's a time to pray and there's a time to fight. And when it's time to fight, it's not time to pray. Amen. It's not time to get on your knees and pray. It's time to fight. Saul didn't know what time it was. Amen. He didn't know what to do. Look at verse 19. Saul said, let's get the ark of God. The noise from the fighting was getting louder and louder. And then Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. That means, write it in your margins, stop seeking God for the answer with the Urim and the Thummim. Saul finally got a clue. Stop seeking God. It's time to fight. It's not time to pray. The, the, the Urim and the Thummim is like uh, two, many, uh, they don't really know, scholars don't know what it really is, but many believe it was just two uh, uh, stones, a white stone and a black stone, and many times they would cast these stones, and white meant yes, and the black stone meant no, so if they're praying, asking God, should we go to battle, cast the stones, whichever one came out first was the right answer, and there's many, many uh, ideas as to what, is the, the Urim and the Thummim. But uh, this priest that Saul had with him, Saul said to him, you can stop seeking God. I now know it's time to fight and not time to pray. Saul fights in the battle. He, they get a great victory as one in verse 20 through 23. Look at verse 21. Obviously the Philistines had some Hebrews that were subjugated uh, to them, probably had them cooking and cleaning and drawing water. And when they saw this victory, those Hebrews, I want you to, I'm going somewhere with this, stay with me. Those Hebrews joined up with their people. And there were some men in verse 22 at Mount Ephraim, and they came out to battle. Now listen, what does that tell us? Write this down, please. That tells us that faith is contagious. Faith is contagious. And likewise, saints, listen, fear and unbelief and criticism is also contagious. I'm trying to help you. 
If you're in leadership, if you're in ministry, don't allow the people around you to see you in a place and get you in a place where, where, where you're in doubt and you're in unbelief and you're in a place of uh, 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 uncertainty. You might be in that place, and, and, and God knows we all get in that place. But we have to be careful as leaders to whom much is given, much is required. Are y'all with me? To whom much is given, much is required. So we have to, as leaders, we should be showing people faith. We should be exemplifying faith toward people because faith is contagious and fear is contagious. Faith is infectious and it will cause others to trust God and be faithful. Fear is infectious and it will drag other people down as well. And that's why you can't hang around those kind of people at church either. Say amen. And at this point, faith, notice, is gaining momentum in Israel. And it all started with two guys. But the Lord did it in verse 23. The Lord saved Israel that day. And the battle was moved to Beth David. Verse 6, the Lord. Verse 10, the Lord. Verse 12, the Lord. Verse 23, the Lord. Fast forward, verse 25, verse 45, pardon me, the Lord. This chapter began with, it happened one day. The story boils down to one man and his armor bearer deciding to seize a divine moment and show themselves. How about you? If you want to seize your divine moment, here's some things that you must be willing to do. Divine moments require you to show yourself. What does that mean? Make yourself available to God. Many times we take a step back when we should take a step forward. You know, we ask for children's church volunteers. That's the time for you to show yourself. VBS volunteers. That's the time for you to go. That's God saying go and show yourself. Divine moments require us to move from the invisible to the visible so that the invisible can become visible. In other words, that God might be seen. The invisible might become visible. Divine moments require us to let them see you. Divine moments require us to go through the past. Divine moments require us to choose the way of the cross. Divine moments require us to trust God. Divine moments require us to look for what God is doing and get on it. Don't get stuck in the paralysis of analysis. Divine moments require us not to be comfortable when the enemy is taunting. Did you get that? Divine moments require us not to be an observer of life, but a liver of life. Divine moments require us not to be willing to go with the flow. Divine moments require us to refuse to be weak and subjugated to the enemy. Divine moments require us not to be willing to make peace with the devil. Because if peace with the devil was more important than victory with the Lord, you're going to miss your divine moment. And may God help us to be men and women who trust God. Who trust God. It's easy to talk about trusting God. It's a whole other thing to trust God. And we are quick talk about how much we trust God. But as soon as a trial or a circumstance or something comes that's pushing against that faith or pushing against that trust, where is your faith? Where is your trust? Or do you start to panic? 
I know. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt, bought the hat. <laughs> I know. I do know. You know, we say, Lord, here I am, send me. God says, okay, go. You say, well, uh, I really meant them. I was just talking. We need to trust the Lord. And honestly, I mean, how, how strong is your faith if it's never been tested? How strong is your faith? Miss Betty, I'm, I'm going to chat with you, Miss Betty. How strong is your faith if, 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 if it hadn't been tested? I can tell you time and time and time and time and time again, God has tested my faith and God has tested our faith as a church. And time and time and time and time again, the Lord delivers. God is faithful to his word. That's true. And he said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging bread. Can I get a witness? Never. I know what I'm talking about. Y'all know, you know my story. I came here. I didn't have anything. We just showed up. We had no furniture or nothing. I told you we got our first TV cabinet out of the trash. Remember I told you I had a fire, put it on the back of the car. And... <laughs> I told Elvira, I said, my, my, my back is hurting. I can't, I, can't, I can't lift that thing. My back is hurting. So we put the hatch back down in the car. You remember we did that? Put the little door back on the back. I said, we're going to put this thing up here. We got it out of the trip. We would live in one of those apartment complexes where people move, come in, and they stay for a month, and then they move out, and they leave nice furniture. Our whole house was furnished from right, like right at the trash bin. I'm not kidding you. So we had so much nice stuff. So I'm, I go down there, I see this TV camera, I go back, and I'm, Miss, oh, I said, honey, I was going to say Miss Alvaro. Um, uh, honey, <laughs> I'm like, we, there's a nice TV cabinet down there. We had our TV on a box when we first moved here because we didn't have anything. We were walking by faith and trusting God when we got here. We didn't have any furniture. We had nothing. So I see this TV cabinet. We have a 4Runner, a Toyota 4Runner. I said, we got to get this thing to the house. My back is hurting. I can't do this. So I tell you what, I'm going to drive the car. I put it on the back, and since it doesn't really fit in there, you just hold it and walk, and walk behind it, and I'll drive real slow. <laughs> that was a scene. Let me tell you something. Boy, that TV camera was nice. We had that thing for a long time. And, uh, yeah, no, she, she's an armor bearer. That's right. She wasn't carrying a Bible. She was carrying a bookcase. That woman's strong. She didn't carry no light Bible. She carrying a bookcase. She all ripped up. What you talking about? You wasn't there. <laughs> You're right about it. And uh, I remember we opened a church checking account. We didn't have any money. And I took, I had 25 bucks. I think I took 25 bucks and opened up the church checking account. The church checking account that we have right now, I opened that account with 25 bucks. I went to the bank. And, you know, I, when you start in the church, you don't know. You're just green. You're just doing what. You, just, you don't know nothing. You don't know nothing. And I thought I was all that. I mean, I thought I was all that. I'm starting a church. So I went to the bank. I said, 
I'd like to open up an account. He said, okay, okay yes, sir, all right, I'll, we'll have a seat. They said, how much, how, how much would you like, like to deposit? I said, 25. He said, 25,000? I said, no, $25. <laughs> I said, who do you think I am? Got $25, man. Open the account with $25. And I will tell you this. God has never seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed big and bread. Today, I'm waiting while, while you all clap. How about that? And God has been faithful. God will always be faithful. We have to trust him. Somebody said, why are you trying to figure it out? God's already worked it out. Right? So if you trust him, he can do great things. If you don't trust him, he can't do anything because you don't trust him. You're a spiritual Eeyore. Just complain and complain and you worry and you complain. It's not yours to complain about. The church is, this is not my, this is one thing I do not do is worry about this church. Yeah, we all go through this, that, and the third. We all have mountains. We all have valleys. But worrying about this church, not me. Because it ain't my church. It's his church. He started the church. God brought me here. People ask me all the time, why'd you come here? God, God, I know it sounds trite. I know it sounds cliche-ish. But the Lord told me to come here. And that is the honest to God's truth. I've been telling you that for 18 years. God told me to come here. And if God didn't tell me to come here, I wouldn't be here. I'm here because the Lord called me to be here. The Lord said, go up and see what they're doing in Raleigh. I showed up. And God did a great work and a great victory. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something, and then I'm going to let y'all go. Because I'm hot, but I don't really care, but y'all look distracted. Um, and great victory has been accomplished here in this church. Because I hear it over and over and over and over and over and over how many people come here and they feel comfortable. And whether they are black folks or white folks or biracial folks or biracial couples, it doesn't matter. What matters is God's word is being taught. And because of that, all of those people who I know, they have told me they have gone here and they've gone there and they've gone here. And because that's an all white church, well, I don't feel comfortable there. And because that's an all black church, I'm just keeping it real for y'all, all right? Because I love you. And it was Wednesday night. So we just go with it. And then go here and then I feel comfortable because there's a black church over there. And then you're in the South. And people, unfortunately, Christians, despicable to be racist when the color of Jesus' blood is red. Amen. 
And with that, a great victory has been accomplished in this area by God who said, go up over and see what they're doing in Raleigh. And you go there, and I'll give you a great victory. Rodney, Elvira, pack it up. And we did. And we is. Here. And, and it's been great. And it's been great. It's been wonderful. And uh, blessed beyond comprehension. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.